No, no, no! Not now! Put me back in! You've got to put me back oh, in! Easy now. You put me the fuck back! I said easy now, lad. So help me, coach, if you don't put me back in right now. I swear by the blood of all the saints and the deeds of all the legions, I will put you in the ground. You take a knee. There's a good lad. There's done. Crown safe. Your own boy out. No cause for blood oaths. Why? Now. Couldn't you have just waited a couple more rounds? Now you know that's not how this works, me old son. When you get the hole, you come. People are dying back there. They need me. No anymore. Your squad's got it handled. You've got bigger fish to fry. Sides, you are always shite with the feel-good touch. What are you going to do? High-five them all better? Like you could do any better? Somehow I doubt a beer and a few shrimp on the barbie would have done those poor bastards any good. Aye, that's a fair cop. I can't stand the sound of mortals whinging. I might have put me dent through them just to spare myself the noise. Something about this fight. It was different, Tonga. I could feel... I could feel when they died. Well, yeah. You're supposed to feel the kill, son. That's how you know you've done it right. No. Not the enemy. The people. I could feel them dying. I felt their souls. I felt their souls disappear. warm melancholy of dream fades. In its place, the infinite bliss of a stolen heaven. No tears dry in the crags on your face. No lump rises in your throat. The gnarled face of an ancient field hand cracks into a bitter smile as you rise for another day in paradise unearned. It takes a moment to notice some of the changes that have happened in Iavos. But there's been a transformation. The gray of his skin seems slightly more vibrant, as though a hint of life resides behind it. He has a spark of youthfulness to him, though the deep lines in his face remain. And as he adjusts his morning clothes, you can see a hint of a round belly forming on a once frail frame. He bends lightly, stretching to touch his toes, arching his back, working out some cracks and knots, and then goes to the kitchen to make some tea. Gone are the Spartan trappings of a man whose long centuries were without art or luxury. After all, it was not those tired hands that plucked these flowers from the earth to grow on the sun-dappled windowsill. Yours was not the arrow or the blade that hunted the stag whose head gazes down in serene death from above the fire. You did not yearn for the gnarled walnut burl of the furniture nor its shining brass appointments. 
and yet the heart that burned for these things touches each of them. They are blessed, and Iavos Isadora has never been one to scorn a blessing. As he makes his way to the kitchen down the hallway, he stops, gazing into one of the open rooms, seeing an open bed, just checking and continuing on, rubbing the sleep from his eyes. And the first thing he does upon entering the kitchen is open the lid to a wide metal pot where a stew cooks, seemingly perpetually. He gives it a sniff, sprinkles in a few herbs from jars nearby, things he would have never had back home. The herbs and spices of this place are rich with emotion, though none of them with the one you crave. And licking the remnant flavors from his fingertips, he hangs the kettle of water over the same flame. You begin picking through the medicine chest for just the right blend for your morning tea. And while you wait for the shrill sound of the boil, you enter your workshop. The eye is bombarded with the systematic clutter of the compulsive scientist. Against the far wall, a window. Through it, a perfect beam of light blesses a stained workbench. It's every inch packed with neatly organized tools, samples, vials, and forgotten projects, all labeled for later retrieval. To either side of the door, the walls are lined with relics of a hard-lost battle, long ago fought in a black forest at the edge of paradise. Black leathers, cracked and split, hang upon a hook, too far gone to be repaired. Below, two books, whose pages teach lessons not in words, but pain and blood. A warped and repurposed pickaxe and two spears rest in a corner, below a shelf, whose only burden is a large jar of sea foam. It fills the room with a smell of salt, and faintly can be heard the ebb and flow of the tides, a sound which was once a name. A bronze shield and sword consumed by time rest beside the workbench, and on the opposite side, a coiled whip, swords short and sinister, long and noble, to cross the circle, and a crown of flowers whose blooms never wilt. Above the window, four gloves, a bell hung from each forefinger, all but one chiming in an unseen wind. As Ayavos looks over these artifacts, each time like it's his first time seeing them, polishing anti-wisteria's soul gem with his thumb, running his finger along the scabbard of the chivalric edge, no sadness comes to his eyes. Looking at the paperwork on the table, he organizes a few things, pins a few pieces of paper to a wall that's covered with notes, planar maps, images of Zenith, Aetheltoa, descriptions of Abel, and a few drawings in charcoal by a child's hand. Sweet things, bumblebees, flowers, wide open meadows, and he sits down to read, forgetting about his boiling water. But it will not scald, for this is paradise. What are you reading? I am reading a well-worn and tattered copy of Astrum and Ethereum, each page covered in handwritten notes, transcriptions, and definitions. Years of work. 
You have learned things about this plane that you are on, this plane of heaven. You've pieced together an estimation of the time you've spent here and the time that has passed there. If your calculations are correct, one in 15, that's the ratio. One to 15. He reaches to a nearby stack of books, borrowed from Zosima's epic library, taking a small pamphlet off the top and holding out his open hand, a familiar book appears out of nowhere. Bound in black leather, springing to life, opening with a wagging bookmark tongue, and he simply feeds it this tiny pamphlet full of old poems, munches away, and purrs. You've spent much time trying to process what has happened to the one you call Pennycos. Nay, Penny Dreadful. Her influence, the damage she did. And in this time, you've determined that her influence is gone from this world, and all worlds. You prayed at first for the fate of Kinuent, but in time, even that was forgotten. Mind full of thoughts, Iavos reaches to the top drawer of his desk, and pulling it out, gazing inward, he sees a purple and gold bracelet covered in dust. He glances only for a moment before closing the drawer again. The knocks ring throughout the house, as though carried on magic winds. Come in. Do come in. The girl, the woman, the goddess in the doorway. The only reason your life did not end on that battlefield. Her smile cuts through the enchantment of Eudaimonia and pierces the secret melancholy which surrounds your heart like armor. Papa, Papa, you'll never guess what happened. The flowers we planted in the spring, they finally bloomed, and the bees were so grateful that they gave us some of their honeycomb. Apophras said that we could make baklava tomorrow. Alvos rises to his feet with a smile. Well, that's wonderful, my dear. Come here now. Let's have a look at you. Gone is the wild child with her shaggy mop of curls and dirt-stained dress with tattered hems. In her place is the image of youth and close-knit home. Her black-brown curls are neatly arranged in a pixie cut, and her linen dress is lovingly cared for and embroidered with cascading natural motifs comprising grapevines, wildflowers, bumblebees, wrens, and three reminders of stories ended. A forget-me-not at her throat, a small red crab covering her heart, and a skull with flowers in its eyes on her sleeve. Finally, draped over her shoulder and belted at her waist is a familiar rough-spun tan blanket with depictions of forest animals to keep her warm in both body and spirit. Iavos wraps his arms around Penelope in a hug, then looks her square in the face, bending down a little to see her straight in the eyes, and doting, fidgets with her hair, pulling out some leaves and brambles, which evolves into simply holding her by the cheeks and smiling into her face. It looks like your velvet's coming in. You'll be shedding soon. I hope you're ready, says carefully petting your horns. <laughs> Don't worry. I've done it lots of times now. How was your day, Papa? You didn't stay inside all day, did you? You should walk Opus in the library. He'd like that. I hope he's just finishing his breakfast. I've only just arisen 
making some tea, doing a little reading. You know how I lose track of time when I get to my books. Can I help you with anything? I can mind the stew if you'd like. I'm getting pretty good at it. That you are. You could help me finish this pot of tea. <laughs> that sounds lovely. And perhaps we have some of those cinnamon rolls Epaphras left us. Wouldn't that be a nice breakfast? Oh, I thought we ate them all. I squirreled a few away. <laughs> you always think ahead, don't you? As often as I can. The other direction is uh, less favorable. You break your fast over tea and pastries. The sun seems to rise lazily, but time is running short. Best not wait till nightfall. Are you meeting the other young ones for some bocce ball tonight, dear? I think I'm too tired today to play bocce ball. Plus, I finally healed from the last time I played it. I was thinking I might stay in tonight, write some poetry. Would you like to join me? I'd love to read you some. I'd love to join you, and I would love to read it when you're done. But I have an errand to run, a short trip. But I'll be back very soon. Oh, where are you going? Maybe I can accompany you. Perhaps in time, but this is a matter for me. I hope you'll trust me in this. Uh, of course, Papa. Safe travels. Thank you, my dear. Gives you a little smooch right in the center of the forehead. She hugs you tight, rubbing her face into your chest. Iavos dons his old cloak and, unbeknownst to Penelope, is wearing a suit of skin-tight leather armor under his robes, buckles a few things to his belt, grabs a walking stick, a large quill pen, and sets out on the road. You exit the cottage into the village proper. It is every bit as beautiful as the first day you saw it, though with none of the anxiety and terror that came with that day. For the Darkwood no longer holds sway over this world, and it is paradise once again. As you make your way between the stone cottages and huts and tents, towards the mouth of the village and the pathway down the mountain, the villagers greet you with smiles. Some of them are solid things, creatures of myth, and others are transparent, ghosts, petitioners to this world, the flow of which has increased dramatically since the fall of Penny Dreadful. Iavos waves back with a familiarity to the neighbors he's had plenty of time to get to know, bowing to some, smiling at others, and avoiding eye contact with a few. As you make your way, Zosimos comes from around a corner. Ah, Iavos. Zosimos, how are you this day? We are making our way into the city's proper, hoping to find some magic, science, books. Will you be joining us? Oh, that sounds lovely. I have other business to attend to, though. Ah, still? Always. Well, don't remain too long. Difficult task, but too much pulling me back. He nods and steps past you with a hand on your shoulder. You continue out of the village, down the switchback pathway that leads to the foot of the mountain. The walk is tiring, but in a way that is satisfying. Your muscles ache with a day of hard labor, and you find peace in the exertion. You turn and walk and eventually find yourself standing before the threshold of the dark wood. Green buds 
sprout from gnarled black branches. The fires have stopped. Against the better judgment of Rhea, the Moon Queen of Mount Pharos, and Keeper of the Wood. As you step into the soft, wet, loamy soil of the erstwhile darkwood, the enchantment of Eudaimonia begins to fade. At first, a stiffness in the joints, an ache in the back. The cold creeps into your bones despite the warmth of the spears of sunlight which pierce the sparse canopy. Alvos begins to take in the sounds and the smell of the forest and stops in his tracks as a half-smile spreads across his face, shaking his head. My dear, dear Penelope, there's one thing that I wish to have never changed about you. It's your curiosity. But, turning around, I also expect a degree of trust between the two of us. Come out now. Casting her eyes downwards towards her hooves, a reluctant fawn emerges from the underbrush. (sighs) I thought I was being very quiet. Was I humming music again? You were being very quiet. Uh, Brilliantly stealthy, but there's something about your presence that (laughs) I can tell when it's near. With your 21, the Avos beat you with his 22. Effectively, the only thing that allowed him to detect you was, in fact, something ethereal, something non-physical. I smell like cupcakes. (laughs) Was I as quiet as your friend, Papa? As quiet as the shadow? Here, away from the protection of this haven, the thought of him stings. I almost... Bites his lip, fighting back some emotion. Oh, I'm sure he would have been very proud of your skill. Yes. But this is not a place for you yet. Now, you know, I do not want to keep any secrets from you, my dear. But this is about your safety. Oh, do I really have to go back, Papa? You're the one that always says curiosity is what keeps the spirit young. Yes, but I've also taught you that we must think about our actions carefully to make sure that others don't get hurt by our choices. This is very important, and this is a very dangerous place. I'm just a human, remember that. You're very special, and as I've told you time and time again, everything about your past I will reveal to you. We keep no secrets, but there's a time and a place for everything. This is mine, and it's very important. You don't have to go home, but perhaps back to the village or to the fields. Not here. I just want to make sure you're safe. I'll wait here at the forest's edge. I'll pick wildflowers. Is that okay? Only if you promise to take care of Opus while I'm in there. I'll hand my book over to her, and it familiarly and happily licks at your hands and wrists with its bookmark tongue. (laughs) Of course. I love spending time with Opus. Come on. I've written some new poetry. You continue on. Minutes, hours, time passes fluidly. Soon, the purpose of your visit to this dark place makes its presence known. In the long years since you first awoke from your traumatic slumber in the wake of that cruel battle, your grief has been a constant companion. And yet, 
The magic of this world transforms suffering into joy, catharsis. For all of its pleasure, it is not what you crave. The release of grief, though blessed, is undeserved. For your failure, only the agony of true remorse will do. And so you come here, at first stolen away in night hours. But as time wore on, the truth of your purpose became clear, and the need for obfuscation faded. As the first hot tears burn and cool on your cheeks, you begin to feel, truly feel, for the first time in weeks. Time passes, though strangely as it ever does, before you find yourself standing before the tower. That prison-turned-tombstone to the memory of a monster. You have searched far and wide, combed every inch of the clearing in which you watched your friends die, but never once have you entered the tower. From its side produces a great withered tree of unknown species, untouched by the slow rejuvenation of this place. Somewhere in that stone drum, you are certain, a remnant of the Darkwood yet lives. Wiping the free-flowing tears from his face, hanging on to the grief like a security blanket, but keeping his wits about him, he looks up and down the tower. Well then, let's find out what fear has kept me from passing your threshold. As you approach the sundered wall, the stench is overwhelming. Rotting vegetation mingles with long, putrefied corpses. The reek of calcium decay like a dead tooth emanates from the bowels of this dark place. The air clings to your skin like oil as you push through withered, wilted vines which hang in lank curtains from the rafters, blocking your field of view. Iavos makes no move to cover his mouth from this grotesque discomfort. Anything but the smell of wild flowers, fresh-baked bread, to remember where he came from, what he's been through. He takes in the decay and presses onward, stepping over some fallen stone. At first, you dismiss the sounds around you as a trick of the mind in a strange place. But soon the clatter and drag of bodies crowds out all sound and thought. When the first of them comes into the light, it is the eyes, more than any other horror, that grip your heart with fear. For they live and scream with the agony of a death that will never come, fresh and wet with tears, vibrant in color and suffering. Though the bodies that crawl across the ground are wasted and twisted with black vines and sharp thorns, the eyes, the eyes, are all too human. Roll for initiative. You ready to get to work? Yeah, I guess. Get your chin up. You're home. I love you, Coach, but Ethel Toe has never been home to me. I getcha. Without your mum was, I can't blame you. But it's home now. At least for the time being. She needs you for something. Not sure what. Yeah, I'm sure she does. Ah, <laughs> there he is. Hahona. By the legends, I haven't seen you since... Well, since... 
since you stabbed me in the neck for kissing Omarama. <laughs> Gods, I was sweet on her. I mean, we all were. What's she up to now? Still breaking hearts and kicking ass? <laughs> nah. Whatever. Don't worry about her. What about you? Had you been following in your pop shadow? Oh, yeah. I'm a walking cliche. Doing good, though. Team's rising up. Bit slow for my taste, but they're all getting better. Sometimes I worry they'll all outpace me. Been feeling, I don't know, stagnant? Gods, I forget how easy it is to relax here. Listen to me dumping my heart on the marble. That there's the camaraderie of brothers in blood. That bond, none tire, none stronger. It's more than that, though. This place... It sounds funny saying this about a plane of eternal war, but... It really is a heaven. For some people, at least. Ah, anyway, your mum called me, too. Guess you need someone to keep an eye on you, Bliss. Or one blood sacrifice wouldn't be enough. <laughs> Alright, enough chatter. You boys have a meeting with Our Lady. And a job to do. We're about to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com r-e-a-l-m now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash realm Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Join the Party is an actual play podcast that follows the adventures of DM Eric and the emphatic players Amanda, Brandon, Julia, and everyone they welcome to the table, from tabletop veterans to first-time players. With rich, tangible worlds, genre-pushing storytelling, and a group of collaborators who make each other laugh every single week. Hop into the current campaign that takes you on a pirate-themed adventure in a world full of plant and bug folk. Or Marathon the Campaign, an MOTW game set in a weird summer camp. Campaign 2, which tells a modern superhero story. Or Campaign 1 for some classic high fantasy fun. And don't miss out on After Party, a monthly release where they answer fan questions about the show and talk about how they play the game. So what are you waiting for? Join the party. You can find it wherever podcasts are available or go to jointhepartypod.com. Hey, all you cuties. Or should I say, all my valentines. We know a lot of you have been dying to know what happens next in the story, so we hope the wait was worth it. Join Zach, me, and Max at the next Goblin Up event in the Portland area later this month on the 27th at Wayfinder Brewing, where me and Zach will be DMing, and Max will be hosting the show. If you're dying to have us DM for you, you can use the LUQ.com to find our personal DM for higher profiles. While you're there, check out the merch page, the actors' bios, behind-the-scene photos, and links to the Patreon, where the rewards are juicy. It's amazing how much of a difference a buck a month can change if enough people sign up. We know we'd notice. Our current legendary mid-roll teams are the Twilight Concord, the Ceaseless Horde, and this week's featured team, the Titans Rise, with Christopher Mashburn, Dylan Hoyt, a.k.a. Meat Dad, John Reinhardt, and Lizaris. For personal messages and advertising opportunities, reach out to admin at slapdashstudios.com. Follow us at twitch.tv forward slash slapdashstreams for Monday Night Live premieres of the LUQ with Dana, and I'll be streaming a little bit of Fire Emblem Three Houses here and there during the coming weeks. Our temporary mailing address while waiting for a new P.O. Box is still 2511 Southeast Pine Street, Portland, Oregon, 97214 if you have anything you're dying to send the cast. Thank you all for everything you do for us. We hope this bittersweet chapter helps to heal the cliffhanger from last week and ease you into what's coming down the line. We can't wait. But that's enough out of me. Let's get you back to the battle axis. Welcome back to Drake Dynasty, where we take a look behind the scenes of a multi-million gold Drake hunting empire and the eccentric family that keeps it alive. When I would get to pup, I'd go down to the park with a bag of bread and a cudgel, and I'd kill the pigeons the way the gods intended. I had a knack for it, and it was only logical that I eventually upgrade to killing ducks. The natural progression from there led me to swans, cassowaries, emus, ostriches, horses for a weird phase of my life, and eventually I ended up taking down drakes for a living. Now me and my kin are the top drake hunting celebrity family in the whole dang world. Our specialists have reported that the drake population in this region has plummeted to a dangerous low in recent years, which has caused irreversible damage to the ecosystem. I ain't no drakeologist or science doctor. My job is to kill drakes, and that's what I'm good at. They also tell me that drake meat is not only a bad source of food, it's in fact quite toxic for human consumption. Where hells, we mostly just do catch and release. It's for spoil, you know. 
I see. Well, can you tell me about this device over here? Oh, this? This is old Susie Ripping Clip. This is a double-armed winch-levered ballista. She fires a specialized chain-loaded bolt that'll snag a drake in mid-air and tangle their wings up like fisher wire. Then these razor-sharp hook blades cut in deep and hold on while it flaps around bleeding out or just falling out of the sky like a hot rock. That doesn't sound like letting them go unharmed. Unharmed? Who said anything about unharmed? I just said catch and release. The rest is between the drakes and their crazy dragon god. Is there any practicality to harvesting drake parts at all? Or is it just bloodlust? Ah, heck, you can use them for all kinds of things. These clouds make some wicked-looking table legs, and you can stuff pillows with their teeth. And the little one-tails make good shoe toys for the dogs. They got a flame sack that makes for great bonfire fuel. Not to mention their scales. The big ones can be made into, like, I don't know, a shovel or something. And the little ones can be maybe made into, like, guitar picks or, or acrylic nails, back scratches, maybe a tasteful kitchen top tile, uh, poker chips. Yeah, you can use them for poker chips. Not to mention, if you get a whole bunch of them together... Join us every Sunday for more mindless slaughter on Drake Dynasty. Only on AOE, the area of entertainment network. You do not hear a scream. No cries of pain. As you scrawl your poetry into opus. The ink transforms. Suddenly, you are seeing through Yavos' eyes, and all around him, the corpses of the dead. <gasps> Papa! As you make your way toward him, with his face in your heart, you glide across the ground at speeds unimaginable, and for a moment, before you arrive, you feel a connection to this world, something greater than home. Yavos, you are living, spry, intelligent. You act first. For a moment in reaction to this sense of danger that he hasn't felt in years, Iavos's hand goes to his back where an old rusted hilt used to be, but it's not there. And instead, he summons Opus to his hand, is confused at the image laid before him, but nonetheless... Channels a turn undead. Excellent. What is the DC? The DC is 16. One fails. Another fails. One succeeds. The other succeeds. Very good. They must move away from me for one minute. If anything hurts them, then they can stop being turned. And uh, having used his action to turn undead, he's going to use his remaining bonus action to cast Sanctuary on himself. Nice. I like that. How does that work? If a foe tries to attack me, they must first make a wisdom save in order to be able to target me as a foe. Forced pacifism. The nearest corpse on the left begins to crawl frantically away from you, terrified, as though prey away from the predator. But another crawls towards you. As it crawls towards you, a glint of gold shines through the muck and filth and tattered clothes of the corpse. It can't be. Gaspar, you feel only greed and hunger and vengeance. 
But as you crawl through the filth of the ground and look up, a vision of the past stands above you. I want what was once mine. I want it back. When it speaks, there are two voices, one of a rotting corpse and the other of an old friend. But the arm, and all this time, this can't be. How do I fix this? How do I fix this? Tell me. As this shadowy revenant is picking itself up from the floor, there are many other after images going in different directions. Some jumping up towards the wall, others rolling off to the side, some even just turning away from you. But the majority of the images dive straight towards you. A golden gauntlet reaches for your face. Can I do either an arcana or religion check to try to ascertain how this form came to be? Go ahead and give me that check. I have opus in my hand and once a day I get advantage on a knowledge check. I rolled two threes on two (laughs) d20s. But that's a 16. In a state of panic, your mind scrambles for information, trying to piece together anything, anything that could explain this. But you did not see how he died. You did not see his heart or his mind. You were not there when he struck her down. And so the only thing you see is a corpse filled with hate. Please make a wisdom save to attack me. Ooh. Oh, yes. Sanctuary. 16. That's the DC. Go ahead and roll to attack. If you would like, you can use strength drain here. Oh, I see. Yeah, no, it's good. That's good. All right. As the gauntlet breaks through the boundary of your sanctuary, desperation is the fuel behind it. But before it makes contact, the fist closes and launches itself backwards. The shadowy figure pulling it away from you. I rolled a natural one for my attack roll. (laughs) Ooh. Wow. You have to roll real bad to miss Iafos, and you did it. (laughs) I did it. What little power remains in the arm is barely enough to hold it aloft. It must be paid for its services. That brings us to one of the dead. One of the revenants crawls to a kneeling position and lunges at you. And as it does, a black tendril of energy reaches out. Please make a wisdom save to attack me. Natural fucking... One. Oh, I was yeah. thought you were going to go the other way. You juked me on that one. As it reaches out, the darkwood energy that it tries to summon dissipates against the force field of the sanctuary. And it falls useless to the ground in front of you. Penny, you arrive just in time to see Avos attacked by two threats. Is he inside the tower? He is. Am I able to perhaps sleep through a window? There's about 10 feet of climbing terrain that you would have to cross, or you can use Mirthful Leaps to try and overcome it. I am always going to take leaping over climbing. Fair enough. Go ahead and roll me an acrobatics check. 24. Mm. You stand behind Diavos with only 10 feet of your move expended. Diavos's daughter moves right past him, stepping into the center of the room. 
The scion's daughter crossed the wheel, flying to his side. She filled their hearts with light and power, calling every beast and flower with her battle cry. Iavos, you receive a 1d6 bardic inspiration. Mmm, I like you. Drop the bleat. <laughs> and with her standard action, Penelope casts a spell. The entirety of the chamber is bathed in light, and specks of dust and wisps that float through it form impressions of another place, of the golden valley below their home. This spell is Spirit Guardians. I can designate creatures that are not affected. Currently, that is Iavos. All other creatures are at half movement speed, and if they start their turn here, they will have to make a saving throw. Hmm. Anything else? That is the end of my turn. Penelope, I warned you not to come here. Oh, be careful, dear. We are family. I'm not losing my papa. As you say that, a shadow rises from the muck and swipes at you. It will make a wisdom saving throw to resist your guardians. And it gets a 18. That's so good. That's a success, which means it takes half damage. Okay. It takes six radiant damage. It is vulnerable to radiant damage. Does a 16 hit? Yes, wearing only a dress and no armor, a 16 does hit. Marvelous. You're going to be taking 2d6 plus 2 necrotic damage for a total of 11. Very good. Excellent roll. And, in addition, you'll be losing 1d4 strength. It rolled a 4. As the darkwood tendrils stab into your eyes, mouth, and nostrils, you can feel the strength pouring out of you and into the creature. Its muscles begin to rejuvenate, its skin begins to knit back together, and it stands aloft. And as the strength pours into it, it also heals the damage done to it by your guardian. Oh, in addition to that, Penelope just failed her concentration roll. And as she succumbs to this creature, the entire magical landscape that she summoned dissipates. And that brings us back to Yavos. I knew you weren't ready yet. Here, freed from the emotional prison of paradise, he is flooded with rage. And Iavos looks upward at the loose debris from the ceiling, spying a particularly large loose stone. He targets it with a third-level catapult <laughs> and flings it downward straight on top of this thing's head. <laughs> I love it. What's the DC? Uh, deck save of 16. It rolled a 17 plus 2. Oh, that's beans. Newly invigorated with life, it is so much more agile than you expected. It dodges clear of the boulder and turns to you. That's right. I'm your target now. Would you like to do anything else? Iavo simply tries to impose himself between this thing and his dear daughter, Penelope. Excellent. And that makes it number four's turn, who, now having moved through a door at the back of the room, has gone down what appears to be some kind of staircase. Hmm. A basamante. And that makes it Gaspar's turn. I would like you to roll me a wisdom save to piece together what memories you can. Thirteen. You recognize his face. His name comes to mind. The last thing you remember was his betrayal. Isadora. 
You, you have wronged us. We are owed vengeance. We will have it. This time, it is a shadowy hand that reaches for your throat. So that is a 17 to hit. 17 does hit. He's going to be dealing 2d6 plus 2 necrotic damage. But don't. Uh, That's going to be 7. And then on top of that, 4 strength damage. Can you not roll 4s on every d4, please? You. Pretty please. Gaspar, gain 4 strength. Nice. What's my strength right now? Uh, That would be... 12 now. 12 now. Okay. Them gains. The gains. You still owe us so much more. I will find a way to free you from this. Go ahead and give me a religion check. Religione. 33? Mm. (laughs) Arcana doesn't seem to apply here. This is a place of divinity. And whatever magic binds these souls and bodies together, it comes from something greater than you. You know that this is a possessed corpse. The body means nothing. You can harm it. And I have some experience on my resume of being a spirit. So this is new domain. Yes, of course. The answer wasn't in literature. It's in our hearts. And as a reaction to being struck by his shadowy claw, I'm going to use a hellish rebuke from the hearthstone around my neck, and I'm going to transmute it with an arcane secret into radiant damage. Ooh. Dexterity saving throw, right? Dexterity saving throw. Oh, yeah. That is a 19. That makes it, but this is not an all or nothing spell. Mm. And I'm going to dump another third level spell slot. Fair enough. I will set you free. Not bad, not bad. 12 damage. I would like to use evasion to take none of that. Unfortunately, as the threat approaches, you know you're supposed to do something. There's an instinct there, something greater than you, something tied intrinsically to your being. But your memories are flawed and broken. Your connection is tenuous to this world and this body. You do not have access to Gaspar's abilities, only that of this rotting corpse. Then if you are weak to it, the 12 damage, which is halved, would become 24. As your divine rebuke cuts through my shadowy body, all that is left is light. The after images now are a soft, brilliant glow. They still head in different directions, but the majority of it falls to the ground, crouched, as if trying to weep, palms reaching for a face that is not there, but two dull pink Motes of light in the form of eyes change shape as if to produce tears before being hidden by the opaqueness of this golden gauntlet. Tasty. That makes it one of the fleeing corpses turns and it continues down the stairs, bringing us to the one who attacked you earlier. Mm. What are they up to down there? It crawls towards Penny. And attempts to attack her with a critical failure. The second of the day for this one poor tragic beast. I said, leave her alone. (laughs) As he crawls, he crawls through the pink flame of Gaspar, which spreads onto his flesh, granting you a new possession. (sighs) 
its turn ends, bringing us to Penny. What's, what's this feeling, Papa? I've never felt it before. Pain. Fear. It's not too late to run. But what about this other one? She stands up on shaky legs and faces the creature inhabited by Gaspar. I won't let you hurt my papa. Her eyes flash, transitioning between all the colors in the visible spectrum, and a blast of pure divine radiance issues forth from her hand at this creature. Beautiful. Does a 15 hit you? It does. Oh, thank goodness. You take 24 radiant damage, and the next attack against you has advantage, as you are bathed in rainbow light. The power burns through the body, damaging again the spirit beneath. My new body is destroyed, but the spirit anchored by the gauntlet remains. And that's the end of my turn. That brings us to the Empowered Revenant, who, now seeing Isadora and his strength, wants some of it. Come and get it, you butt. (laughs) Does a 14 hit you? Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Still I have us. Skin tight leather. That is nine plus two for 11. Necrotic damage. Necrotic. The pleated sheet activates from the last hit, and I have resistance to necrotic damage. Excellent. However, you do not have resistance to strength damage. Nope. Suck my STR. But that one's only two. (sighs) That's still half my strength. It gains that two strength, growing ever stronger, and healing what little damage remains. Talk about bodybuilding. And that brings us back to the top of the initiative with Yavos. We must deal with this quickly. I lay one hand onto the chest of the creature that is now attacking me ruthlessly, and I use my one and only fourth level spell slot to release a magic missile directly into his heart. Ooh. Dodge this dick lips. <laughs> Is that just two dicks laid on top of each other? Mm-hmm. Oh. You weren't ready for this, Penny. <laughs> you're too young to learn of the dick lips. Oh, your mouth gets hard when you're 40. That's how you smile. You see what you're going to <laughs> This is a lot of fours. This is a it's this is a, a trademark Iavos magic missile. And I am not even done rolling. Classic. Hell yes. Uh, 28 force damage. Mm. Well, the first 16 completely kill it. But because each magic missile can be decided independently, would you like somewhere else for those to go? Oh, yeah. Any, any spill damage flies out to the one on the floor who is attacking us. Beautiful. That nearly destroys it. So as the magical missiles pierce the flesh and seem to burn them away through some kind of arcane fire, the bodies slowly disintegrate back into mush, their living human eyes lying in the puddle. And yet, the eyes do not die. Hmm. And with my other hand, I turn to the spirit form of Gaspar, and I say, Gaspar aileth not. Look into your memories. Remember the crown. And take my hand. My spirit moves towards the remaining revenant, the gauntlet opening up 
and wrapping around its hand. And with that, and a bit of hesitation, I will reach towards Iavos's outstretched hand and then begin to orify it. As the gold begins to climb up to your wrists, Gaspar, your memory is fragmented and broken. You see flashes, instances of joy, pain, loss, and triumph. You feel the betrayal and the forgiveness, soon followed by the grief of loss. And as you look towards Penny, a face you thought never to see again, the gold recedes and darkness takes you. Let's get you out of here. Let's go over it again. Tanga, please. I get it. I'm not some sweat-stained private. I know how to do my job. Nevertheless, let's go over it again. Okay, so right, here's the camp of the Undying. Just pass, you find the trench. That goes on for eternity, in either direction, and the distance means nothing. So it's about knowing when you've gone far enough and failing it. It's not as though I've never been deployed outside my plane up front, Tang. Would you just let me go through my process? Anyway, you'll take the trench until you come to the quiet front. You keep calling it that. I've never heard of the quiet front. Like I said, you'll know when you get there. Now this is important. Do not look above the trench for any reason. Right? Not a peak. You can't find the quiet front unless you keep your eyes on the muck. Understood. Keep your head down. When you get to the quiet front, you go over the top. I sure as war hope it's a quiet front. Over the top without a platoon at your heels. That's suicide. Or worse, capture. Oh, don't worry, Honor. If we're captured, I'm much too valuable to torture. I'll be ransomed back in no time. Golly, wow, thanks. I feel so much better. Your sacrifice will be remembered. Only, you know, not forever, because I've got a shit memory and... You're not that important. Enough chatter. In no man's land, you'll find a church. There's something there that needs killing. Something that's holding up the war effort. Okay, fine. Walk the trench with our eyes closed until we get to a place in the plane of eternal war where there is no war. Go up over the top, buy our lonesomes, and look for a chapel in the middle of the killing field, which sounds like the hell of a name for a poem, by the way. Then kill the unnameable thing in the house of God. Can do. Only problem... Why us? Yeah, this is office's work. A couple of grunts with battle squads for Kit. That's not going to put a dent in some honcho that can call a ceasefire. That's just it, son. We've sent officers. We've sent angels and archons. Avatars and elementals. Only thing is, for all the higher beings we've sent to that blasted place, not one of them has come back. Bravo. 
Bravo. Well done, everyone. The sound of one golden hand clapping. Yeah. Conk, conk, conk. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's two golden hands. Damn it. Yeah, that was a meteor fight than I expected. Those boys were not supposed to be so da- nasty, but fuck me, the rolls were there. I mean, I could have just, like, used lightning bolt. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was honestly expecting you to just go out and kill them all. Like, I mean, I, I, I got there, but then the rolls were bad. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never been in a fight before. <laughs> I haven't in 16 years. 16 years. <laughs> An infinite number of pennies, yeah. and everyone in their first fight will jump into the front and get knocked down. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Put a hundred pennies in front of a hundred combative typewriters. <laughs> Combat typewriters. Uh, so let's go around the table and talk about our favorite moments. This this mm. small and heartful table. Yeah. I mean, I gotta give a shout out to the little uh, museum in Iavos's workshop. Mm-hmm. That description, you know, it was touching the feely bits. Oh, it yeah. was a good walk around. Um, very recent. The bells, man. Huge. Like yeah. even writing the bells, I was like, Ugh! I like the uh, the fact that he took them off. That makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the highlight of the game. You know, that was the that was the tone. That was this episode, and maybe even the last one, just slightly and reduced into two to three sentences. Yeah, it was yeah. No, it was amazing. Uh, I'm sorry. I have little compliments for everyone. Zach, <laughs> your writing on the descriptions coming into such a heavy episode, amazing. Angelo, the way you played Gaspar in this one mm-hmm. was so good. Uh, just like very visceral, very haunted. I love that I can always rely on you to do the thing that not only would I love you to do, but also just like the darkest possible choice. Like, yes. mm. like with the, when you walked in and, uh, you know, when, when you first fought the Rakshasa who was holding uh, Falrick Sunderholm and you're like, Fuck that kid. <laughs> yeah. That kid was not surprised or in any, like felt like it was in any danger. Yeah. It was, it was that the, was no, the danger. It was the men in black moment of the little girl with the astrophysics yeah. books yeah. in the middle of a street. And you play uh, perfectly. And now you've you've joined the ranks of characters in the season who have gotten to fight the uh, the main cast. <laughs> That's um, true. Yeah. Yeah. The only one that hasn't is Max. And Law. Uh, just all your narration in the beginning. I love the foreshadowing that new Penelope is your daughter. Like, like, just like, you know, I walk by the bed and then peek in, it's empty. Like, like just kind of these little things. Like, uh, you would think that you did that kind of nostalgically, but no, you were seeing if your daughter had already left for the day. It also played perfectly into the fact that there were four bells and one of them didn't ring. And it was just like, which one didn't ring and why? Who's still here? Who didn't really die? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, amazing. Love you all. I mean, getting to th- this new dynamic between Penny Iavos, I have a pretty stone face, but like my heart is dying. It's so precious. <laughs> it's so cute and it's so wholesome and it's such a good part of the story. I'm I'm really looking forward to this like paternal familiarity with this new penny. It's going to be cute and epic and narratively rich, very tasty. There are too many things that I loved about this, but ultimately I love how well all of you just perfectly did what just fits so beautifully into the story as it is. Like I didn't need to give any suggestions or guidance like other than a few like line tweaks, everything was perfect and I I could not be more happy with how this played out. But uh, I, you know, honestly, everybody's been great. Everybody's been beautiful. I Sam has been editing these like a champ. 
the last episode was, I think, clocked in at like two hours. Four oh, minutes. yeah. Last so, one was super long. So one I was of hoping, our longest episodes ever. Yeah. Not the- I, which is why I'm glad that this one wasn't too bad at an hour 30. I'm curious to see how it boils down. And we've definitely been giving him more work than I'd like. But yeah. thank you so much, Sam, for all your work. It's funny. I've, I've actually been saying uh, on the live streams that we've been trying to get back down to an hour. But like the last episode and then this episode were so important that we're just like, screw it. It takes what it takes. Bree hasn't done any maps for this one. I'm actually using some terrain that I bought at Rosity Comic Con that I'm pretty happy about. And uh, it's working pretty good. We'll see how it plays out from here. But other than that, I mean, I'm just happy to have you here. I'm happy that you're listening. And until next time. We wish you luck.